So, um, I uh, would like to offer a few reflections on uh, the the part of our practice uh, that involves uh, meeting and um, <clears throat> working with uh, emotional difficulty or emotions that we find difficult. And uh, I realized that um, as I was preparing this, uh, I was experiencing some aversion to the topic. <laughs> That's interesting. I don't want to talk about anger. <laughs> it was really interesting and it gradually became clearer. It's so interesting as I... I think there's a, obviously a whole range, and and in a sense, I've, I I'm not sure I, yeah, that sense of not knowing exactly what to share and say, but when I and I really saw that happening, I also sort of thought that reframing this for myself and and maybe it might be helpful for you, that made a real difference to kind of approaching difficulty, which again is something we see a lot in our practice, doesn't it? Sort of our attitude and our view and what's going on in that. And I thought I could also have introduced this by saying, um, you know, this is a talk on compassion. It's actually, um, could say, it's, I have this, this, um, sense that what we are uh, training in in some way is the capacity to compassionately accompany or a compassionate accompaniment and that when we can encounter difficulty in our lives, in others, in ourselves, you know, wherever we meet it, and 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 actually learn what what it is that actually enables that meeting to be uh, a condition for the arising of compassion. Yeah. And and that feels so important to sort of again sort of re reaffirm that. I almost want to keep touching into that as, as we, you know, just go through these reflections. And I was really struck as I was walking into the hall how um, the image of the Kuan Yin, the as my personification of compassion, and she's holding the world in her, ha- in her hands, this cupping underneath and... Uh, it's almost like a protective gesture. And you know, what do you see in that? What meaning do you do you see? And it feel, it, it struck me as uh, again a very powerful image or um, uh, invitation to to see how how do we handle life? How do we how do we handle our stuff? Or how do we how do we hold? How do we hold a world with compassion? So maybe that's the encapsulation of the talk. And it's of course it's another question, isn't it? It's 
so I'm sure I can't begin to answer but maybe that's again in that spirit of inquiry and investigation so kind of how in any moment just as you are right now whatever's going on in your body, mind and heart um, you know, being, being able to um, yeah practice uh, a sense of compassionate accompaniment so obviously we all have this emotional life in our life we experience we experience in other people and the richness of that and the possibility of uh, yeah the 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 way that can be uh, a richness and a depth and a, and, a, and, a, and a beautiful part of our humanity and of course how it can also be a lot of suffering and, and somehow places of, of a lot of confusion and um, yeah kind of can, can be the condition for a lot of unskillfulness and suffering so as we know the this 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 middle way that the Buddha taught, you know, the eightfold path, is one of the one of the one of the things that characterizes it. He expresses, and then we, we see that in a very direct way in our own experience of this of of this other way of uh, being with life, of seeing life, of responding to life which is somehow between the extremes of, on the one hand, um, you could say indulgence, and on the other extreme of, of repression. And I think that in, our, in a way we relate to our emotional life, emotional patterns, and on retreat, of course, we have <laughs> lots of opportunity for this in different ways, both the... the the ones that feel really lovely and beautiful and wholesome and the ones that not so much. Um, but that we can see this tendency to, you know, be I'm in, fa- in favor of or against. I know. And that's one of the things I think I want to, I'm trying to explore in this talk is is, is what, what is that middle way? What does it really mean to bring that, to bring the Eightfold Path to bear on this very raw, real, you know, <laughs> you could say I'm on a very personal, you know, nobody else is feeling exactly what we're feeling, maybe. Or maybe they are. Maybe they are. But it's, here it is. And the sense that there is maybe, again, for us to, to see in our own experience, perhaps we can be, you know, sort of quite skillful, maybe with certain kinds of emotion, though we're, we're okay, you know, I don't anger arises, and we kind of got a handle on that, we kind of know, and sort of, we, we can stay steady and find the skillfulness and recognition and all that, but then take other areas like sadness or say, for example, I'm just like, whoa, you know, that comes up, we just don't know what to do, and we lose all our skillfulness. So just to, I don't know if that's the case for you, but I think it's very interesting to sort of see how, you know, 
the skillfulness comes and goes. And I was also really struck when I was considering this that even with a state like happiness, you know, very, very, very happy, and how very, very unskillful that can kind of get, you know, in the way we're relating to that or holding it. And I just, I, I find that a very, oh, it's kind of important in the sense that, um, you know, you think, you just want to be happy and kind of that's, and on one level that's completely true. But also, yeah, again, what the, the Buddha is saying, it's actually being able to hold all of this allowing it to come and go. And a rather dramatic example comes to mind from a, a show that I love called Downton Abbey. Some of you may know I'm a big fan. Um, and there was, to me, one very striking moment that really brought this teaching to home about grasping at um, pleasant states. And it was this very, very euphoric moment when a main character's child had just been born and he was just completely engulfed in euphoria and happiness and he drove in his car and he had an accident because of, he, he wasn't mindful, he wasn't really present, he was taken over, it was very sad and this character dies. And I, I don't know why that comes to mind so strongly because I think you know, a lot of what we're doing is we're trying to open to happy and beneficial states. And I don't want to put you all off. <laughs> like, don't be happy, it's dangerous. Um, not meaning that. But do, do you hear that? It's something almost like we, we don't really open to happy states. We kind of get hold of them. Or we get into them. We're like, yeah, now I've really arrived. You know, yeah. <laughs> We kind of take ownership, or we let them take ownership of us. So I think that this talk, although I'm primarily focusing on what's what we might call difficult emotions, I think it's really relevant to you know the whole range and and including all the ones in the middle. You know, boredom and inattention, and another just very small story of when I was on retreat, positive meta practice for weeks and uh, I was feeling really you know pretty good as you can sometimes and I was walking quietly up and down the stairs at the back of the Gaia house's hermitage wing and I was just feeling a little bit too you know kind of yeah <laughs> and I just slipped and you know kind of missed one step and really badly wrenched my knee you know and it was just this kind of Ah, you know, this, this, this is really interesting. There I was kind of, you know, that getting a little bit complacent, complacent somehow. I think that's just really interesting on that end of the pleasant, or kind of neutral pleasant, sort of the kind of unskillfulness that can be, can be there. That's perhaps not so obvious a lot of the time, but that's so interesting. You know, isn't it like some people who come at you and they're really happy? I'm like, you know, it's like... Okay, good, great, that's nice for you. <laughs> so sometimes we can we can also almost impose that on other people. You know, that just another example of how we can be kind of taken over. So another thing I wanted to, to mention that feels to me like a really key principle in practice, and I don't know if this makes sense to you, but 
every time I really kind of re-remember it, you know, when you re-remember something and you don't just, you go, oh yeah, mm -hmm, is that it's what we, it's how, how we are with what's happening that ends up being more significant than what's happening, right? So anger arises, irritation, you know, love, um, calm. How are you with that? What, just to see it, it's, it's kind of what's the view and the attitude and how we meet the whole range from lovely to difficult and everything in between. To me, that's the cultivation of the path. And that, it's like, in a way, we become how we are cultivating. Which, maybe I'll just leave that there. It, it's something that, it, it, it's so, to me, that helps take away some of the pressure and images of goals and what I've got to and this one I've got to get, you know, it's like, ah, oh, if I, if you like what I'm becoming on one level or what, you know, the mind is is really most deeply influenced by is how, is the quality of uh, what kind of qualities are um, are present in the attentiveness and, and, and sort of with the mindfulness. So, in that way, I think that we could we could maybe I could I could <laughs> smile say yippee you know I'm going to talk about difficult emotions because we get to you know such a lot of great cultivation and bringing. Uh, wonderful, beautiful, wholesome qualities into the world through through that. It's a different way of looking at it, isn't it? Oh. I want to talk a little bit about maybe a certain uh, sort of some of the areas of, of skillfulness we could say with this sense of compassionate accompaniment. And I want to use a, a, a structure that you'll probably all know I hope you won't all groan and say, I'm not that. I've heard that before. Because I find it's something I come back to again and again, and it just, I find it very helpful. And it's, it's this acronym RAIN. Recognize, accept, investigate, non-identify. It's this nice handy acronym. And I just want to kind of open up a little bit in in each of these, just so that we can kind of I don't know, remind ourselves about, again, the range of skillful means. And um, this is, in a way, I think, where the rubber meets the road, you know, <laughs> where the Eightfold Path can really, can really come to life in the, in the way we're meeting our experience. So recognize, you know, it's, our, it's, 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 it's basically being mindful, isn't it? Systematic, careful attention. And I can remember one time I was on retreat and I was very, very upset. I can't even remember what it was about. And I went for this long walk and all the way I kept going through the aggregates. Form, you know, feeling, right? yeah, perception, 
volition, yeah, I want consciousness, you know, seeing, hearing. And I just kept going through it, kept going through it systematically, kind of, okay, you know, this state of activation, this state of upset. And I tell you, by the end of the walk, I felt a lot better. So systematic, careful attention. I know you know that, you all know this. We can use the foundations of mindfulness in the same way, but it's remembering to do it, isn't it? And then, you know, sometimes when we're really upset, we don't remember. But to bring that right there, see, ah, oh, even in the chaos of why, it's like body, feeling, ah, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I find it rather comical in a way. <laughs> But the mind, and again, it's that quality of attention that's really key, isn't it? It's, it's interested, it's kind. It's like, okay, I know you're really upset and everything's going a bit crazy, but let's just, compassionate accompaniment. Let's just go through the aggregates, you know, let's just try that, see how it goes, okay? All right then. <laughs> yeah. We might... Um, you know, apply this great principle I think I've mentioned here recently of the turning toward, turning toward, to recognize. And again, that question that I brought in on Monday, the what is actually happening right now? Huh? And this and she and they and I'm not going to... What is actually happening right now? And again, I think it has that, you know, it's almost like universal application, like whatever's going on. Lovely, terrible, somewhere in between. Bringing us, you know, sort of back to earth, isn't it? This wonderful mudra of the Buddha touching the earth. Hmm. So naming, naming and noting something, it's another you know, sort of help with recognizing. I mean, even if it's just like, I just feel, because I know I'm very, I'm quite a kinesthetic sort of type, and sometimes I can't tell you what I'm feeling, but I can like act it out. And I feel like this, you know, or maybe you have a very specific word of a kind of, yeah, you can kind of, well, agitated, well, it's more like worried. Or, well, actually, and then you find, you know, in that felt sense and something, yeah, it's, it's that. And then something shifts. Or you find that you name part of it and then it turns out to be a cluster. Or in some cases, like a kind of almost like a, something that suddenly unravels and you realize that you were feeling angry, but actually underneath it, you're really upset, sad, afraid. So that simply by even trying to name something again, how are you doing that? Like, right, you, shut, what are you? Come on. <laughs> What's the tone? What's the tone in how we write? Come on, you, wake up, stop being sleepy. I've had enough of that. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe that's help. Maybe that could be compassionate accompaniment. I don't want to... But, you know, where is it coming from? What's the attitude? Where is it coming from? Is it coming from kindness, from compassion? Or is it in a hurry? You know, that's like, okay, come on. You know, I've been really, really angry for three days now. That's enough, right? 
We, we, you know, that whole thing where you recognize in order to make something go away, it knows. I love that. Yeah. It knows. So just something in there of recognition. Sometimes that's it, isn't that's all that's needed. Sometimes not. And so we have acceptance, the second A in ring. And sometimes I feel like this can come first. Like sometimes you really haven't a clue what's going on. But you just sit down and say, okay, you know, let me accept. And then actually it's through that genuine sense of opening and okay, right, I'm here, okay. That you can start to investigate or recognize it. Oh, you know, right. So the acceptance, a sense of the willingness, a willingness to open to something. Because I... I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel that that is one of the key defaults, basically, that we're walking around with is like, I'm not willing to feel this, 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 and this, and this. Everything else, all right. And that we don't, but we we don't quite know that we're doing it. We've got this kind of way of kind of defending against whole areas of our of our experience and so gently gently gradually gradually we learn to again approach to be able to come a bit closer to be able to open a little bit more or sometimes maybe we get very brave and we have the resources i just wanted to give a, a very simple example of once a while ago on, on an airplane and uh, feeling very a lot of fear, which I don't always, but I did on that occasion for some reason. I thought, okay, let's practice with this and see what's going on. And I could really feel that willingness to open to the fear, to allow, isn't that, that word? And of course, we can abuse any word, but such a helpful word, I feel like, allow or allowed. We feel like, we are given permission somehow by the universe to feel how we feel. So that it's not uh, me having to give myself permission, which can sometimes get very tangled up and it kind of like add to the problem. But I don't feel able to give myself permission to feel this. <laughs> I just like, okay, I'm allowed, completely allowed. And on that occasion, for me, the example was like, oh, it just shifted into some sort of grief and sadness about leaving England and which I I was then able to kind of stay with that, sort of open to that and sort of opening to that. And then there's just this like, my heart is just opening and how much I love England <laughs> and just this huge sense of gratitude kind of. And then, and then, you know, do you see? It was just an example. It's not with that tidy, unfortunately, but that there is a sense that sometimes when the conditions are right and the resources allow, we can open. And, and some, it felt like a yeah, things were seen. Something was seen. Something was healed in that in that process quite quite a lot in a way. So um, I wanted to read you something that um, Pema Chodron said. She said, the healing comes from letting there be room for all of this to happen. Room for grief, for relief, for misery, for joy. Letting there be room for all of this to happen.
Hmm. Um. Hmm. So, in this area, I think probably relating both to the rec the recognition and the acceptance was um something I found in uh, Analeo. Anar I hope I'm saying it right. His beautiful book on the Satipatthana Sutta to do with awareness of one's state of mind. And I just I, I, okay, because I think this is this is so clear. It's so clear. Thank you. I met him. Thank you. <laughs> Maintaining non-reactive awareness counters the impulse towards either reaction or suppression contained in unwholesome states of mind and thereby deactivates their emotional and attentional pull. I'm going to go over that again because I think it's an awful lot in there. And again, it, it's... To me, it sort of has that... I mean, it's that reactive and that non-reactive very, very, again, pristine, mindful, non-reactive. But as, as, as I say, I often find that's more possible when I've kind of done some opening and accepting. So, and, th and this is one of the keys, isn't it? Maintaining non-reactive awareness. I was talking with one of you about, you know, noting sadness. This is sadness. This is sadness. This is sadness. So, Staying, maintaining that, knowing, noting, recognizing, all the way through until it had just arisen and passed. I think I think that's what he's talking about. I hope, and 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 that we, I think part of this is like we we need we know this from our own experience as part of that validated faith and it remembering. And, and also, of course, strengthening our mindfulness and our samadhi that actually makes it possible. But the way that that, and you can, you can see this in your own experience, the way that that steadiness and that non-reactivity can feel us almost like the impulse to, you know, push it away, get away, you know, or just get into it and just get really angry because that's just easier. <laughs> some level and not you know judging it either but just that that's kind of such a I have I love this gesture you know of that mudra of the forefinger and the thumb it's like just right here it's, it has that to me it has that quality and sometimes I practice like that walking or sitting and just having that just you know this that non-reactive, and and that the other piece of this I wanted to pull out was that this impulse towards reaction or suppression is in the unwholesome state, and this is kind of what I was touching on at the beginning of the talk. Where I was saying I'm averse to talk. You know, I don't want to give a talk about aversion. Or, oh, I feel terribly difficult about giving talk about difficult states. Oh, or I feel frightened about you know, encountering fear. Did you see? This is so important because it's like the the states have this deluding quality kind of in them, that which can be why it's so entrapping. And that's that third foundation of mindfulness. It's like knowing, ah, now this is uh, mind affected by 
fill in the blank. <laughs> and that we we see that when we can when we can really again do that that's again deactivating disempowering again over time isn't it with repetition it's power to just feed itself off of our attention and our energies is is um reduced hmm. okay so let's move on to the I mean, we're already kind of, none of these are very separate in a way, but the arena of investigation, which um, I was touching on yesterday, and the power of uh, helpful questions that um, help us to, to, that can help to um, probe when necessary, or, you know, look a little closer, or look a little deeper, look below the level of assumption, or below the level of, you know, when you, you're standing back from something, saying, oh, well, that's anxiety, yeah, I know that, I've had that all my life, <laughs> yeah, has a kind of sense of dismissive, it's like this, um, again, this capacity to be genuinely interested, genuinely willing to learn, isn't it, so much about, again, what is the attitude, what is informing our relationship to what's happening. And I think it's this nurturing this sense of the willingness to learn. It's so, I mean, I just, you know, that the almost approaching this, you know, if you like, familiar old feeling of tension in the belly as if you just like, you'd never met it before. I've really come to that freshly. But also, I think, maybe the same way, to know your triggers is really helpful. Oh, there it goes again. Oh, yep, I know that one. So, you know, you get to see them coming, and more of a sense of, even if it triggers, it's like, oh, yeah. Like, I have this thing, and it's much less than it used to be, where I would see, like, a happy family, you know, like a maybe a child and a parent, or... Um, two children, two parents, or just some combination, they, they would look very happy and they'd be doing something nice and I would just have this awful stab of envy and sort of resentment, you know, that whole thing, I, you know, I never had that, and oh, it's not fair, and I want, and I can't have, and just this. And I, I think over, I, took, I think it took a, a long time actually for me to see it clearly and to be able to not react, to be able to, there was so much in there, for me and and there's something about knowing it really knowing it and being able and part of that process for me was and still is sometimes and much less you know a kind of a process of grieving you know there's some emotional territory to cross here there doesn't have it doesn't have to stop there so so being able to um grieve a little and then be more available to enjoy and be glad for people. Just one other question I want to throw in that I have found very helpful in this sort of area is what is it I am unwilling to feel? Right now, I think, is always a helpful addition to anything. <laughs> but it could be as well. What 
But I think it works best when it's really like in vivo, you know, live. And again, I can remember a while ago being upset and walking up and down. I I found that very helpful with this kind of things. And a sense of what am I unwilling to feel like helped me to actually get, if you like, to the nub of what it what it was. You know, what the believed thought was. You know, that whole, what am I believing here? But something about this, what am I unwilling to feel? Because we all have conditioning, don't we? You know, it goes back to family and we don't have to analyze it all too much. But it's okay to be sad. It is not okay to feel anger. You know, that whatever your variations on that are. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, so maybe enough on that. So non-identify. This is really the end of rain. This is this is really, isn't it, the seeing with wisdom. But we can see that both as a practice and an ongoing cultivation to be able to really, uh, you know, in all the different ways that you have of, of that wise perspective on things. This is human beings. This is what we get, you know. <laughs> The whole accepting dukkha, dukkha, understanding, standing under that, forgiving dukkha. Thank you, Winnie, gave me that recently. Forgiving dukkha for being dukkha. I found that so helpful. It's the way things are. You know that this is wisdom. This is wisdom. And, and we have to revisit this again and again, don't we? Because different situations come up. We think we've got dukkha. Yeah, I've got that one sorted. <laughs> think again. <laughs> Something else happens and you're, whoa. You know, yeah, it's a bit more there. To really understand, to really embrace. Again, there's so much of that acceptance in there, isn't it? To, to be able directly, again, using the five aggregates or whatever, you know, to s- sometimes suggest, you you know, you can feel, oh, this is changing, it's going to change. You know, you can have that, just remembering that can help, isn't it? You know, and yesterday I felt all right. <laughs> Tomorrow, I who knows? Or just in the moment, it's like, you know, it's changing right now. And the thing that feels so stuck... It's just, it's, it's probably just this habit pattern of, no, <laughs> go away. It's just, it's just in the system, repeating, repeating, you know, and the, the way the body, you know, we talked about this before, the body and the body gets tense and the mind goes, oh dear, and the mind goes, oh dear, and then the body gets more tense. And they're going, going what? you know. Sometimes it's just that. It's not really about anything. <laughs> it's just this habit of tightening up and, and getting, you know, your system is, oh, there must be something wrong. She's all tense. And then, oh dear, and then you get more tense. Do, do you understand? This is so important because sometimes you think it's some big issue. And actually it's just that. Oh, and I, oh, hold that with compassion. What's that way? Hold that with compassion, see it with wisdom. And the possibility that in, in, a, in a single moment, 
dukkha ends. No dukkha. Yes. Problem. No problem. And sometimes it almost feels like they're right there together, don't they? You look one way, you get big problem. You look at it again, no problem. Problem, no problem. So wisdom, sometimes that maybe has a sense of humor. And I, I uh, take the risk of sharing a very uh, short little pop bit of a song that seems very relevant here that's been going through my mind the last few days. I don't know if you know it, and I only know one bit of the song, but it seems, it seems, it goes, if you know it, no, don't write me a note, it's all right, don't write me a note, it's all right, don't tell me, <laughs> but if you must, if you must, then it goes like something like this, um, oh, I have to go, for, mm, forgive me, like, First there is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is. First there is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is. Get it? And I love it because it's such a happy, chirpy tune. That it's it's like, oh, and kind of lightness. And I think that, isn't it so much of our life and so much of the problem, the big problem, it's like, there it is and there it isn't. What's going on? Something's made. Big mountain. Oh dear, big mountain to climb, to deal with, to get around. Conditions change. No mountain. Lovely view. So I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but... Oh, fine. So I'd like to, the, the last part of the talk, um, introduce another N. So it's rain with two Ns, which is a bit odd, but it's a friend of mine, Chris Cullen, colleague, and I don't know where he got it from, but it's N for nourish, and I think it's really, really crucial. And I know a lot of you are doing meta practice, and that is one, I think, very, very important way that we can nourish our hearts and minds. You know, this is not all about chipping away at the coal face, or, you know, like, I'm dealing with the dukkha. Just, you know, stand back. I'm <laughs> like, I'm in there. And there's times of, 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 how do we nourish the heart? How do we gladden the mind? You know, and you know the Buddhist teachings are riddled with that, the, 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 the importance of that. Reflecting on faith, you know, reflecting on our sila on our goodness, on the loveliness of other people, on the beauty of this place, doing our meta practice. And it's just however, you know, however however we can do that in our life, in our practice. Because it isn't it actually so much of that, it's it's this kindness and the compassion and the patience and the generosity. Generosity that we that grow in our hearts again that mean that somehow the calaces, the afflictions, we're you know, there may be we're more able to we're more resourced to deal with them. We we're more able to see them with wisdom and humor and 
compassion where you know maybe they arise a little bit less often maybe even some of them just fade out fade out you know and so to how do we really uh take that to heart and as part of this compassionate accompaniment really find really find that in our own hearts really find that so we can we can receive that and we can offer that isn't it we can find it in our own heart this amazing human heart you know with its wonders and its strangeness you know and its demons but there are these sort of wondrous resources that are right here and to to be able to nourish and and let them grow you know maybe that's all we need to do for a while i remember hearing the story that one teacher told one student to do nothing but metta for herself for a whole year Wow, I, I've always been curious about you know how she got on with that, how how it went. So, um, hmm. Hmm. So I'd like to finish um, these reflections with uh, sharing a poem. Uh, it's a, a poem I love. Um, I hope it will be um, helpful. You may know it. I know it's a poem called "Kindness" by Naomi Shihab Nye. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment, like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all of this must go, so you can know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride thinking the bus will never stop. The passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out of the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you, how he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all 
sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to mail letters and purchase bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for, and then goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. Let's just sit quietly for a few moments. <laughs> 